Welcome to Connected. My name is Mia. I'm your host and the founder of Connected AU. This podcast, Connected, is here to give you the beautiful feeling of community in your ears. I will be chatting with some incredible people and the aim is just for you to feel as though you are sitting with us, having a cup of tea and good conversation. There are no bells and whistles on this podcast. It isn't scripted and doesn't have any crazy producing. It's just good conversation and we are so glad you are here. Welcome everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. We are so lucky today to be welcoming Mark Hughes as our guest. Mark is a former NRL player, brain cancer survivor, founder of Mark Hughes Foundation, husband, father, unstoppable. And Mark, it is so nice to see you and to get to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us some time today. Oh, thank you, Mayor. It's my pleasure to, to have a nice chat with you today. And yeah, I look forward to covering all little things in my life. Yeah, well, there's a lot of synergies, I guess, between sort of what Connected AU is and what we're doing, which is all about community and connection and your story and your experiences. It's I feel like there's so many things that relate in the work you're doing right now. So that's why I was just so excited to talk to you. I did say before we started recording that I'm also personally just really excited to talk to you because we've always been an NRL mad family. I grew up in Dunedoo, which is a tiny little town in Central West, which is all very NRL growing up. And then even now it's the main thing on our weekends, which is a bit sad to admit. So I just was also really excited to get to chat with you today. But this podcast, so what we're doing with this, so we have about 50,000 people in the community in different programs all over the country. Some are pen pals and letters from clubs and events. And this is just a bit of an extra in the lead up to Christmas. Christmas is a bit tough for a lot of people. So the idea of this is just to give people the feeling, I suppose, of sitting down and catching up with someone over a coffee or a tea. So really informal, nothing fancy about this podcast, no crazy productions, but it's really just to have a chat with you so people can listen in and feel like they're getting time to talk to you, which we're all so lucky to be doing. And so for you, Connection, I was thinking about your journey and your story, and I feel like Connection has probably becomes something really important to you now, much more so than when you were younger. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't got university degrees or I'm no professor, but what I am is I do connect with people and I know the value of of communities and surrounding yourself with the right people. And that's how I've lived my life and particularly through my journey with the Mark Hughes Foundation where we'd be nowhere near where we are today if I didn't have that journey that 36-year journey to get to that point in my life when I was told that I've got brain cancer. But I felt like I was in training in a lot of ways because I was living my best life. I was a team player. It wasn't the best, but I was part of a team and I knew my role. And that was a big part of my life for 10 years, team sport. During that time, I was making a lot of connections far and wide that were going to help me down the track. Yeah. And so for people listening that mightn't be really familiar with it, I guess, how do you describe that to people? Just that you were an elite athlete, had this really successful career, and then I suppose had the experience of, yeah, getting the worst news you can possibly get and relatively mild symptoms from what I understand. Look, I feel like in my life I've had some incredible highs and some really big lows as well. And I think it's important for people to remember that don't change when things are going great or don't get too carried away with yourself. And likewise, when things aren't so great, you've got to you've got to work your way out of it. You've got to scratch, kick, whatever you've got to do to get yourself out of those situations. And I've been someone that's remained pretty leveled throughout both the highs and the lows. And I live this 
high life for 10 years where I was part of a very successful Newcastle Knights footy team. I made 20 or 30 best mates. I made community and sponsors. I I met everyone and, and connected and treated everyone the same. Whether someone was wanting an autograph after the game or our major sponsor wanted to, it was no different for me. And I respected everyone that came in my way. And I had that presence, that trying to make people feel like no one else in the world's more important than you at the moment. So I'm not going to sign your autograph and be, be looking over there. And it's about presence and focusing in on where you're at. And so then when you had that terrible low, it all came crashing down. I suppose you feel like you were pretty level-headed anyway. You hadn't really left the ground then. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so I was 36 years of age, three children under 10, fit, healthy. Life was going great. I'd been retired for five or six years. And I had headaches from nowhere over two days. Uh, Before I knew it, a scan, uh, tumour. John Hunter Hospital in Newcastle removed the tumour. Then a week later, I went into my doctor's for the report and he just sort of simply said, I'm sorry, Mark, you've got high-grade brain cancer. There's no cure for brain cancer. It kills more people 40 and under than any other disease. I was 36. I had my life ahead of me and it was just a shattering halt. It was... A really tough time for me, my wife, Kiralee, my friends, my family. Yeah, it was shattering. I can't even imagine. You try and imagine what that would be like, but I can't imagine. From that exact moment, everything would have stopped then. Everything stops and things that you thought were important are not important. And you're going on walks and on your own and you're thinking and your thoughts are spiralling out of control. The news that I was receiving over the month after it was disheartening it was gut-wrenching so not much was going right for the first month at some point though quite quickly I had to dust off and I had to plan the fight back life's about sometimes reactions how you react to certain situations so I had some decisions to make and I'm very grateful that I made some really tough strong decisions at that point in my life I guess the journey since that point's been it's been an overwhelming amazing type journey for me. I wonder if because of your career as an elite athlete that comes I mean that comes with strength and determination and training and work ethic and I wonder if that really helped you in that first month or so and then getting that mental strength to say you know what this is just another challenge. I'm sure it wasn't that easy but I wonder if yeah your background really served you well. It definitely did. As a rugby league player you get injured, you go to physio, you do everything you can to get back on that field. And I think for me, once I got it done, I wanted to do whatever I could to get back on the field, I guess. And when I was doing radiation, I was going and I was doing some run-throughs. I was doing swimming at the ocean bars. Former teammate Ben Kennedy was with me doing that. So I'd do radiation, I'd go and do the the running, then I'd do the swimming because I wanted to do more than the average person because I needed great results with this. So what can I do to get myself right that other people maybe aren't doing? So I wanted amazing results with this and I just was going to do whatever I could to help that situation and part of that was getting on with life. Have you always been, it seems like you're really goal-oriented. I'm a bit the same. When you think of something and you decide you want to do something, 
you just don't stop until you essentially get there or don't, but failure is part of life as well. But have you always just been like that? You just can really rally yourself to just strive for something. Yeah, definitely. And I think as a footballer, I wasn't the quickest or strongest, but I really feel that my mind was very strong up here and that's very important and the heart's very important. And I feel like those two areas where I can excel at above other people and it's important in life and we all have these struggles and different things in our life and I've worked out that struggles in life are going to come. You can't help that, but you've got to work through the struggle and when you get through those struggles, some real greatness and happy times will come through that. But it's those that give up during the struggle that don't see the other side. I went through struggles playing football as a kid, and I, I kept, but I kept going and kept plugging away and I got there and that's what life's about, just moving forward. Absolutely. And have you found a sense of confidence like through this? Has it given you a bit of a different self-identity being able, like this is one of the biggest challenges anyone would ever be faced with. Obviously the football career and challenges and succeeding and that's amazing too and not many people do that, but this particular challenge is very unique. Have you found a bit of extra confidence in yourself and, and you feel a bit unstoppable? Yeah, you do. And you build that confidence um, through consistency and hard work and the amount of stuff that I do now for the charity and for my cause that I didn't do in the past. Like I always, I would speak at luncheons and do stuff like that. But these days I'm making speeches, I'm addressing groups, I became a leader of my charity and, and for so many because I know people are watching my journey and they're watching my story and I'm giving them confidence because they're saying, hey, Mark's 10 years down the track. He's still here and he's still doing great things and he's still tackling mountains and he's still doing so much and people are chasing me and that's what I want. I want people to have hope that when they do get diagnosed with brain cancer that there's help out there and there's and you don't stop living and you keep moving and you keep going forward. Absolutely, and I don't think it's just limited to people with brain cancer I think that this lesson and what you're living is for anybody with any challenge no matter even if it's just a small challenge that they're struggling with in comparison I think the lessons are just so relevant for everyone that we all have setbacks it's really about how you react to them and just trying to keep pushing on and dealing with it with a bit of yeah, purpose, I suppose, whatever it is you're trying to get over. It's so interesting. And a lot of what we do is just community. So building this giant community to make everyone in Australia, no matter where they are, feel part of a community, because we all need that. It's essential for us as humans to feel that we have people that care about us. And I love your story. And it's the perfect example of how community just can come together. And so obviously, your rugby league community was behind you. And have you felt like even though that was the most devastating moment and experience, have you also felt that it's actually been quite lovely seeing what's actually happened around you, the community that you've built? Yeah, it's been extraordinary. From when I was going through my treatments and wearing a beanie, I just felt that beanies and brain cancer would do really well. So from that point, we decided to get some school, local schools to wear their favourite beanie to school and bring a gold coin donation. And then we decided to design our own beanies and then the NRL jumped on board and then this massive tidal wave of support followed from that, all from an idea from my wife Kiralee and I 
To see that happen to now know that we've sold over a million beanies is, yeah, it's not something that you probably dream about. With community, it's that's all it is. It's just people getting behind what we do. Started right here in Newcastle and then I know right throughout New South Wales, right throughout Queensland, right throughout Australia now, it's overwhelming. It's just it's just a thing now, the beanies for brain cancer round, and it's just really a thing that I don't know if it didn't exist before. Do you know? That's how big it's gotten that you can't actually remember it not existing. No, I love it. And just to put that into perspective for people, the Mark Hughes Foundation, you you established that with your wife. So far it's about thirty million that you've raised, isn't it? Yeah, we're very proud that we decided to to make change and give this a run. It probably would have been easier not to, but for what we've got back from this and it's just been a crazy journey. We've got a very small team, we've got a lot of volunteers. A lot of big-hearted volunteers, and we just we get it done. It's and it's not just beanies. People do treks. They host morning teas. They do gala balls. It's just happening all year round. And because people get what we're doing, they know that I'm a complete volunteer for this charity. So all the money's going to the right spots. We've got brain cancer care nurses across regional New South Wales doing an amazing job. We've got the Mark Hughes Foundation Brain Cancer Centre at the University of Newcastle as our central hub. We've got research across Australia. It's it's happening. It's happening. It really is, and it's making impact. So you have done an incredible job. Was it? Has it been sort of? Did you have a goal when you and your wife started chatting about it, and you sort of envisaged this, or no? It's sort of just been something that you've just ridden the wave, I suppose, developing it, getting it to this point. I think, think, look, I've always achieved pretty well in my life and I I was really hopeful that it would go well. I remember someone that we trusted and knew a lot about brain cancer, they sort of said to us that we might be better off just contributing to another charity, brain cancer charity, because you'd need to raise $10 million to have any type of impact on brain cancer. And we felt in our hearts that we needed to do this ourselves And it's just been a crazy journey. I get to witness the good in people. People contact us all the time. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to help. How do I help? How do I buy beanies? It's just beautiful people that want to connect to help our cause. Which must be amazing every day to see, especially if it's that sort of organic or people reaching out to you saying, we want to do this. We want to do this gala dinner. Or It must just... I mean, it's kind of the stuff that we do. We, it's very happy, as in you. There's a sad element to it in the loneliness and isolation and yours is the actual condition. But it's just such a joyful thing to be part of because you see people making an effort, the generosity of people, just how, how incredible human beings can be. So I'm sure you're seeing that every day. It's absolutely amazing and I think this will just take off as it continues. I think you've just started this momentum. And I know the research centre at the University of Newcastle, that was quite a monumental thing, wasn't it, getting that? Yeah, that was a big thing for us to commit to that. And Professor Mike Fay is leading that and we're building a great team there and we're very proud of that. So, yeah, that's been a big part in our journey. Whilst it is great, I don't look back too much. I think a big part of my learnings is that I had to make today count. Uh, I realised that I couldn't look back and I couldn't look too far ahead and worry about my future. So what I wanted to do was wake up each morning and make today count, live my best life today, wake up tomorrow, tomorrow is the start of the rest of your life and do it again. And that's how I live. So I'm not looking back, um, not looking too far ahead at all and I'm just focusing on doing my best today and, and coming again tomorrow. And once again, 
Don't wait till you've got sickness or health issues or something. Bring this into your life now because your life will be so much better because so many of us get weighed down from the past and worrying into the future. And this might be the best time of your life, but you're not present enough to really realise it. I'm sure that there were stages where it was really difficult to get yourself to do that, to, to bring yourself back to just today. How did you do that? Did you like learn little skills where you, you identify a thought and you just acknowledge it and let it go? It's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, well, I realised that I had to learn to control my thoughts because we all have these thoughts all the time during the day and we become our thoughts. So if you're continually to think negative, you're going to become that negative person. If you are always got sad thoughts, you're going to be that sad and dull person. So I realized that I had to be strong and confident and positive. So I needed those types of thoughts coming through me all the time so that I could portray that. Because if I was kicking stones and saying, go and buy a beanie and no one would buy into it, they needed me strong and feeling good. So if I had negative thoughts, they'd be like a cloud going by and I'd, I'd try and sweep them past. And then I'd try and practice gratitude. I'd try and think of a great holiday that I had or my kids or a a nice sporting moment or just something that I love. So, look, there's no magic trick to this. I mean, we all have, we all got all these thoughts and it's hard. We know we've got negatives and positive, but if they're negative, try and wipe them through like a cloud going past and focus in on a nice thing to be grateful for. Which is, it's honestly such great advice. I think we can all use that. And I think sometimes I suppose if you have a negative thought, you do get consumed and maybe try and solve it. And so you're not saying just try and think of positive things to counteract it. It's just acknowledge that's a negative thought, let it move on, and then just think of things to make yourself feel better, whatever it is, even if it's totally unrelated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, we all have, in our journey, we all have different situations in our life come up. And it's just my situation is very public and everyone knows it. But I talk to people all the time and they've got tough journeys as well. I definitely get that. So we just got to get through those struggles, the tough times. And there's always, I sort of say that there's always someone worse off. And you read the paper and there's a family that are driving on the freeway and they, they die and they don't they don't get a chance to fight. I've got a chance to fight and I'm grateful for that. So gratitude. It's fantastic. You've got such a strong mindset. And that was what I was going to ask you with this enormous journey you've been on, the impact, the foundation, and how have you kept yourself sort of healthy? But I guess you've looked after your mental health really well. And also your physical health, I suppose you have had to really focus on that as well and juggle all of these other amazing things that are happening. So you've been busier than most people probably in that situation. Yeah, well, I've, another stuff that I do, I own, I've got a gym. It's called Air Locker Training and it's group training at altitude. So it's quite interesting. So I get to, we get together with 30 people and you train. So I train six times a week and I feel fit. I feel so healthy and it's an important part to the day. And I, I really encourage people to try and kick their day off in a good, a good manner. I like to say to people, get out the good china, like grandma's cups in the back of her cupboard that never come out. At some point during your day, have a good china moment where you do something nice. It might be a walk or sit out in the veranda and have a nice cup of tea out of a nice cup and just do good things in your day because life can be tough and draining. So try and have that good china moment. Find time to do something nice during the day. I love that. And we often put off things, don't we, for a different time. So you're just saying actually literally live life every day. So this training, that's amazing. So you do actually train at altitude every day? 
what we do. It's like the air in the room has got 15, 14% oxygen, whereas outside we're at 21% oxygen. So your body works harder naturally and you feel really fit and healthy. And I think it's been a huge part of my positivity. And I just love getting in there and training each morning. It takes about 40, 45 minutes and I'm ready to take on my day. Wow. And this is post your brain cancer so that you got into this? Yes, I only got into it three or four years ago. So we've got franchises starting around Australia, which is a good thing. So you have to keep an eye out for air locker training. Dubbo? <laughs> Not as yet. But, yeah, that's something else that I'm doing as well. So it's, I love seeing people go in and try it for the first time and go, wow, this is, I feel amazing. The, the air, I come outside, I breathe normal air. I just feel so good. I'm on a high. So it's nice to see people's lives improving because of our gyms. So it's a, it's a really nice part of my life as well. It's so interesting. I haven't heard about that before, but obviously it's really beneficial. It's a good segue then into your trek that you've got coming up. So um, tell us about that. Was that your idea to rally some people together? Yeah, so several years ago, two of my former teammates, Paul Harrigan and Billy Peden, two champion men, decided we needed to challenge ourselves and raise money. So we decided to go to PNG and walk the Kokoda track. We also did a 100K bike ride while we were there. So it was a really big, and there was 18 of us, and we raised $150,000. And we thought, wow, this is great. We're challenged. We're in a team again. We've got to keep doing this. So then we then went to base camp Mount Everest. Then we went to a place called Borneo. Then we went to Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Then we did Darwin bike ride. And then now we're going to go a bit higher than base camp this time, back over in Nepal, Mount Everest. So, yeah, it's going to be a great challenge. We're going in two or three weeks. We are looking for, like, support. So if anyone out there wants to jump on the Mark Hughes Foundation website, there's ways you can support the team with um, donations of that. And um, that's our next challenge. And I love it because being out in those mountains and no phones, just teamwork, and it's just moving forward one step after the other, nice and slow. And that's what I find in life. Just keep moving forward at your pace. Don't look at other people. Just keep moving forward. And that's been something really good. And I recall looking ahead at a stream crossing at Kokoda, I, I fell over because I was looking too far ahead. And that's what life's about, isn't it? Let's just get our next step right. Absolutely. That's like a real f- tangible example, I suppose, that you probably remember. That's right. I tripped on the little stream when I was yep. Because I was looking ahead. Yeah, look, I love that. And I lo- it's so interesting about you raising money, you're doing wonderful things for people. I'm sure in all of these different projects you've done that you will have ra- would have raised considerable amount of money in that little team of yours. It's And it's interesting because they say when people are feeling isolated or lonely or not feeling that amazing, that there are things you can do to feel better. Get out in, the, in nature, the environment, be around animals, just be around people. But one of them also is volunteering. They say doing something for someone else also benefits you. And that's the perfect example. You raised, like the first one, you raised $150 million. It was interesting that you described it as it really helped us. It was we were back in a team. We were back having a shared goal. So it's sort of so interesting that when you help other people, it's actually really helping you. Uh-huh. Spot on. And I say that all the time that, yeah, when you give back and help people, you get more out of it yourself. So if you can find the time in your week to do something nice, it might be just to put your neighbor's bin in or something simple, but little acts of kindness. And that really makes our world a better place. And it certainly makes you feel better knowing that you're helping people. 
So good. And it's so interesting. Next month, so October, so we do themes every month in the community and next month is Pay It Forward Month. One of our team members, Mariana, has come up with this Pay It Forward and she's just going to encourage people on our socials and and in the whole community to do something for someone else. And some of her examples, one of them that I just couldn't stop thinking about was she said uh, she saw someone do it once where a man just walked up picked one of the trolleys with the child seat and just popped a coin in and walked away. And she said that's just like the perfect example of what pay it forward is. You'll feel good that you've done that and you, you're helping someone else. Yes, that's beautiful. Little things, big things, they all make a difference in this world and that's just so nice to hear stories like that. Mm, absolutely. Look, your wife, I'm so curious about her. She has obviously ridden this entire wave with you and it is a wave, it's ups and downs and how is she as a person is she just really motivated like you are and really driven yeah like Kira Lee has stepped up amazingly she's not she basically the CEO of the foundation so every decision or thing she's the one that keeps that on track and the right so she and keeps me on track with supporting and organizing so yeah she's just been amazing the way she stepped up and we've got three children two dogs, a cat, two horses. So we've got a lot going on. So we try and juggle the life, our marriage and our gyms. So we've got uh, we've got so much going on and she does get busy. Wow, she's just stepped up and couldn't be any prouder of the amazing job that she does for us. And I suppose because it's your experience, this whole journey, you're the one that was diagnosed with brain cancer and you're the one who's really experienced that. But at the same time, she's also had a, a journey of her own, I'm sure, supporting someone and she's sharing the children with you and this, the fear and uncertainty for her would have been just as significant, just different, but really significant as well. So she's also shown a huge amount of determination and she would have had the same sort of experiences as you in trying to get herself to be okay. Yeah, she's had to write everything and it's probably harder for her at times than it is me I feel and just all the research and all the effort that she puts into like connecting with the MHF Brain Cancer Centre and the amount of work she does on that and she just does so much where I'm I'm the face you'll see me out talking and doing my thing and I'm everywhere but there's Kira Lee behind the scenes and there's two or three other amazing team here at MHF office in Newcastle that they just do an amazing job we've only got three or four part-time full-time we run on an oily rag but I think that's why people really like getting behind us because they know there's no corporate structure or no brand manager and all this stuff we don't need that it's just a, a bunch of friends having a real crack and yeah very proud of that and it's genuine and sometimes small teams are the best teams you're a team player it seems literally everything you've kind of talked about it's all team related no I think it's interesting you and it's such an interesting story with your transition out of football, you read so much about elite athletes. I had a chat with the absolutely amazing Bronte Campbell recently. She's on this as well. And we were just talking about that experience of elite athletes going from their professional career and then transitioning out. And just that sometimes it's really challenging for some people and not so much for others. And she described it, I loved it, as setting yourself scaffolding, she said. So she thinks of it that if you build scaffolding around yourself as you're going through your career, 
then when you transition out of it or you lose one particular thing, it's still strong. The scaffolding around you is still strong, which I think is such a great way to look at that. But you've, I guess you haven't even thought about a trend. You've literally just gone, it's answered for you what you're doing now. Yeah, look, I had running a business and working really hard and doing really well for five or six years. So I've sort of experienced sporting, I've experienced business, and now I'm doing something way more important, and, and that's with the foundation. I've still got my gyms, so I've got that balance there because I've got to earn money as well. Uh, like I said, I'm a volunteer for the charity. So, yeah, it all it's all really working well. I do corporate speaking where that's sometimes where I earn money for my family. So I really enjoy and get a lot out time a lot, lot of enjoyment from fulfillment out of talking to a group giving them a message leaving them with a few take-homes and that's a really nice thing for me to do as well you do have your very successful businesses and so it must be it must be difficult to juggle that with the foundation as well because it kind of is your identity I suppose or when I was so excited to talk to you it was obviously rugby league and also the foundation but you do have all these other parts of your life and has that actually been a bit challenging? Yeah look at times I think Kirill and I get a bit too busy so there is times where we sometimes go wow this is a bit out of control and I can't go to every function as much as I'd love to but uh, the reality is I just can't so We've had to learn to say no and work out where and where when I can do things. So, yeah, we're getting a bit smarter and a bit clever with, with what, how I spend my time, but it's not something that I can escape. Like I, I, wherever I go, we talk brain cancer now, whereas many years ago we'd, we'd talk a lot of footy. But these days people have their cancer that they talk to me and I love hearing stories, that, especially good stories, but it can weigh you down a little bit as well. I imagine. And... I guess it's the same with the rugby league talk. People probably don't want to bother you too much about that, but I won't keep you too long. I feel like you've been so generous with your time. I do have a couple of last questions, though. We put questions out to people in the community if they want us to ask, and then we pick a couple. And so one of the questions was, what is your, and I'm sure it's so hard to answer this, but what is your favourite memory on the football field? If uh-huh. you know, or wow. a yeah. So I lived in Curry and I couldn't make the nights until 1996, so I was 18 or 19. So I finally got my opportunity. Then by the time I was 20, I was in the team to play Manly in a grand final in 1997, and we won that game. On the full-time siren, we win the game. We beat Manly. It was the first ever premiership for the Newcastle Knights, and the way the community and the people reacted, it was overwhelming. I was 20-year-old. The celebrations, Paul Harrigan and all these guys that I'd looked up to. Um, so yeah, that was a magical moment. We won another premiership in 2001 against Parramatta. That was special and a magical moment again. I managed to play for the New South Wales Blues in 2001. That was a nice personal achievement. But I think the mateship that I've got out of rugby league was so special and important. And the, the foundation has almost brought us together even more and the support I get off my former teammates is just it's so so beautiful it's amazing it's just beautifully said you've literally finished it for me thank you so much if you haven't discovered connected au yet this is your cue to find us we have some of the most exciting engaging and inclusive programs in the country to make sure everyone has access to community from beautiful handwritten letters to online art clubs, book clubs and gardening clubs. We even have events every month with famous friends like Sam Neill. 
There is something for everyone and we know you will find joy. 